Back to First Kings on Back to School Sunday. It's been over a month since we were in the Book of Kings together. Donnelly, you haven't missed very much of the Book of Kings. You've missed, you've missed plenty of church, but not much of the Book of Kings because we had Family Bible Week in Revelation. We had Hunter Galley's first sermon in Psalm 32. We had a message to get us ready for the Good News Cruise. And last week, we had a visit from Tim and Debbie McIntosh. So does anybody remember what was going on in 1 Kings? Well, we've met a lot of kings so far. In fact, we've met 13 different kings. David, Solomon, Rehoboam, Jeroboam, Abijah, Asa, Nadab, Baasha, Elah, Zimri, Tibni, if you count him, Omri, and last and worst so far, who's king right now? Ahab. Ahab. You remember all those guys? A little bit about them? Thumbs up, thumbs down. A few of those kings were thumbs up guys, at least for part of their life. But many of them were two thumbs down in the eyes of the Lord, especially this last king, King Ahab. This guy was worse than everyone that had come before him. The author of Kings says he considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat. So he married the wicked queen, what's her name? Jezebel, and began to serve and worship Baal. He was the worst king of Israel so far. He was six thumbs down. Okay, And it was during the reign of Ahab that we began to hear another story being told. Not just a story of kings, but a story of prophets. And specifically, a prophet named Elijah. The days of Ahab turned out to be the days of Elijah, like we sang this morning. Elijah had a tough job to prophesy during the reign of Ahab and Jezebel because Ahab and Jezebel were prophet-killing type rulers. Jezebel especially hated the prophets of Yahweh and wanted them all dead. So Elijah spent a lot of his ministry on the run, hiding out from Jezebel's hitmen. But he didn't hide all the time. He also confronted the prophets of Baal. First, he showed up one day and announced on the national news that it would not rain again until he said it would. You remember that? And they went more than three years without rain. That's because Baal was supposed to be the god of the storm. But the Lord, Yahweh, had turned off the faucet to show who was really God. Three years. And then one day when the cattle are dying, Elijah shows back up and calls for a contest to see whose God is real, whose God lives, whose God is really God. Do you remember that? That's what we saw last time in 1 Kings at chapter 18. They have a contest up on Mount Carmel, 450 prophets to one, and still there's no match because Baal isn't real. Baal doesn't answer. Baal isn't powerful. He is not God. Do you remember what all of the people of Israel yell after the fire came from heaven and sucked up all the water and the sacrifice and even the altar? Do you remember what they yell? The Lord is God. The Lord, capital L-O-R-D. Yahweh. Yahweh. He is God. And then the rains came. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, Yahweh, He is God. 
And Elijah, empowered by the Lord, runs faster than Ahab's chariot all the way to Jezreel. You remember this? That's exactly where we left off last time. The Lord, He is God. Yahweh, He is God. And here's the title of today's message. The Lord is still God. Yahweh is still God. Even when it doesn't seem like it. Even when it hurts. Even when we lose. Even when we feel alone. Even when we're discouraged. Even when we're weary. Even when it feels like nothing ever works. The Lord is still God. That's the point of today's message. My guess is that some of us really need to hear it. Because in chapter 19, Elijah, this this man who has just won the biggest showdown of the prophets since Moses versus the magicians of Egypt, Elijah is going to be significantly disappointed. He has just won. Yahweh sent the fire. Baal has been discredited and dishonored and disgraced. The prophets of Baal have been put to the sword. The people are shouting, Yahweh is God! And Elijah has run with supernatural speed to confront Jezebel. You know what? It's even possible that right now that Ahab has seen the power of Yahweh with his own eyes and that he will repent and he'll lead Israel to return to Yahweh. Ahab will go from being the worst king to the best king that they've ever seen. National revival may be on the way. But none of that happens. That's not how it turns out. In fact, it looks to Elijah like all of this was for nothing. Let's read. Chapter 19, verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. So, Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, please help. Help me to preach your word faithfully. Help your people to receive the word by faith. And especially help anybody who feels today like Elijah did then. Discouraged, depressed, despondent, disheartened, hurting, weary, alone, enough. Would you meet them, Lord, right now in their place of need? And give them this message. Yahweh is still God. And Lord, for those of us who are maybe riding high today, 
store this word up in our hearts for when we feel like Elijah does. We pray it in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus, who like a shepherd leads us. Amen. It's a big change, isn't it? From chapter 18 to chapter 19. From running full tilt towards Jezebel in victory to running full tilt away from Jezebel in defeat. It's a big change in a very short amount of time. It's like three verses and everything changes. Have you ever felt like Elijah? I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. This guy was depressed. He was despondent. He was heartsick. He was despairing. Elijah was discouraged. Seemed like it hadn't worked. All that stuff he's been doing for the last how many years? Hiding in Zarephath? And now standing up to the prophets? And it didn't change anything? Ahab didn't repent. Ahab tattled. Right? He didn't go home and he, he didn't say, you know what, woman? Yahweh's God and we're going to follow Him. That's not what he did at all. He just told her what happened and he let her do whatever she wanted. And what she wanted was to go after Elijah. There was no national revival. Nothing changed. The official religion of the royalty of Israel was still Baalism. We'll get some more prophets. After all that? In the NIV, verse 3 says that Elijah was afraid. And it seems like he has good reason to because the queen just pointed her finger and said, you're going to die. But your footnote in the NIV says that the Hebrew could be translated Elijah saw. And I think that's probably more likely. Elijah saw the way things were. And what was going to happen next? And it was almost devastating to him. He leaves his servant in Beersheba. I think that means he doesn't expect to come back. And he finds a broom tree, which is as desolate as it sounds. And, and he plops down and he tells God that he's ready to die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. Now, he doesn't want Jezebel to take his life. He could have just stood in the throne room if he wanted that. He doesn't want her to win. No, but he's just played out and he doesn't have anything left. It feels like the game is over. He left it all out on the field. And they lost. You ever felt like that? I know you have. Probably some of you are basically feeling that way today. I've had enough. I did all of this and it didn't work. Why has it turned out like this? I'm not sitting blessed under my vine and my fig tree. I'm sitting depressed under a broom tree in the desert and I just want to curl up and die. Now I love it when we win. When things are going great for other Christians. Woohoo! Praise the Lord. Last week we had a tremendous good news cruise here. We prayed for it all summer and we did all that work and we had a great turnout and had a little bit of rain and so many affirmations from people that we'd done a good job. It felt good. God is good. Amen? 
Amen. Art, I think Art's still riding high on this. This morning he said to me, I'm drinking out of my saucer because my cup's overflowing. Woo! What if it had rained all day long last Saturday? What if nobody had come? What if all those hot dogs and chips that Art had been stockpiling went bad and uneaten? What if there'd been an accident and somebody's car got totaled in our parking lot? You know, there's no promise in Scripture that those things will not happen at our Good News Cruise. And if they did, would the Lord still be God? Cancer? Divorce? Death? Losing the game? Losing your savings? Losing the culture war? Losing your country? I've been the pastor here for 18 years, and they've all been good years. Some harder than others, some more fruitful. But we've never seen great revival. Never seen an amazing spiritual awakening in our community. And we've not seen national revival, though we've prayed for it many times. It's easy to get discouraged. Nothing changes. It didn't work. I'm just so tired. I've had enough. Take my life. It's times like that when we need to be reminded that the Lord is still God. Yahweh is still God. Not just in the exciting times when we're winning, but after that, when it doesn't seem like anything has changed. Four points this morning. Here's number one. He is still good. Verse five. Then Elijah lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he lay down again. I love that. God is so good to Elijah. He's so gentle and generous. Elijah wants to die, but God gives him sleep and something warm to eat and something cool to drink and an angel to deliver it. God's still good. These may not be the things that Elijah wanted, that he was looking for, but these were just what the doctor ordered. These were what Elijah really needed. God's still good. And he's always giving little gentle gifts to us, even when things are at their worst. Ruth Murray is hating the hospital. Not that the hospital's bad, but she doesn't want to be there. She didn't want surgery. Went three days, kind of hoping no surgery was necessary. But she had to have surgery. She has to be in the hospital. But is Ruth Murray complaining? No. She's finding things to be thankful for. She told me yesterday how sweet the hospital staff has been to her. How gentle and helpful and kind. Of course, with nurses like Anita Allen, that's not surprising. But Ruth would say, God is still good. 
Last week, Dan Curlin's brother was in that bad accident. I texted Dan to find out how Murph was doing this week. He replied, pretty much the same. Induced coma, brain bleed drain has been removed, lots of movement, still on vent. God is working in this situation. I texted back, thanks for the update, praising and praying. And Dano wrote back, thank you. God is good all the time. He's still good. Even in the worst of times, He's still looking out for us and giving us little gentle gifts of His grace. In verse 7, we find out that this was the angel of the Lord Himself who was taking care of Elijah. And this angel of the Lord has got a new plan for Elijah to follow. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat. For the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, if you've been reading your Bible for a while, all kinds of bells and whistles just went off in your head, right? 40 days and 40 nights. Oh, that sounds familiar. Remind you of anybody? Maybe Moses on Mount Sinai? And what's the other name for Mount Sinai? Mount Horeb. This is the place where God made the covenant with His people. This is the place where they broke that covenant. And then God made it again. This is the place where, this is the mountain of God, He says. Where Moses asked God to show Him His glory. In fact, this may be the very spot. On Covenant Mountain. Verse 9. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Is that the cleft in the rock? Could be. We don't know. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Now some people think that's a big rebuke. Like God is saying, And what do you think you're doing here, mister? Come for a little pity party, have we? Maybe there is a little bit of rebuke here. I don't think very much. Why is Elijah here? Because God's told him to come here. Verse 7 indicates that, right? Elijah wanted to die in the desert. The Lord wanted him to take up a, to eat up and take a 40-day journey to Horeb. What are you doing here, Elijah? Maybe God is saying... Why do you think I've got you in this place? It's an invitation to trust Him. Here's Elijah's answer. Tell me if you think he answers the question or not. Verse 10. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Is that an answer? Now, many people think that Elijah is whining here. Elijah's just a big whiner. I heard a preacher once read verse 10 like this. I've been very jealous for Yahweh and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Now, that's a possible interpretation of this verse and verse 14. And I think there is an element of complaint here. 
and some exaggeration. Elijah knows that his friend Obadiah has hidden a hundred prophets in Israeli caves. Elijah might be the only one who was public, but there are others, and he knows it. But I think what's mainly going on here is he's pouring out his lament to the Lord. Why am I here, Lord? Because it hurts. Because it didn't work. Because we lost. We won, but we lost. Lord, it's all falling apart. I do love you, Lord. I've been very zealous. You know I have. I've given my life to this work, but it hasn't been working. And I'm just so tired. And I feel so alone. Have you ever been depressed for God's sake? Not just for your own, but for God's sake. Elijah's not just depressed for himself. He hates what has happened to the name of the Lord, which he loves. The Israelites have rejected the covenant. They have broken down the altars and erected altars to Baal. They've put the true prophets to death and elevated their own. This is not the way things ought to be. Have you ever looked out at the world and said, Lord, this is not the way things ought to be? They're dragging your name through the mud, and it hurts me to see it. But even when that happens, the Lord is still God. Verse 11, Yahweh said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of Yahweh, for Yahweh is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before Yahweh, but Yahweh was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake But Yahweh was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But Yahweh was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Number two. He is still speaking. He's still speaking. Now, I'm not sure all the reasons why God puts on this fireworks display for Elijah. I don't think it's to scare him and and shame him. Oh yeah, you're going to whine like that? I'll show you who's God. That's probably to remind Elijah that God is still powerful. He's the same God that burned up the sacrifice yesterday. He's the same God that set the whole mountain on fire when He gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. But He's not in those things, it says. I'm not sure what that means. It's just that they aren't as important as what happens last. More important than the demonstration of His power is the still, small voice of God. The gentle whisper. God is not just Baal, the storm god, all flash and thunder, supposedly, but nobody really home. He's the speaking God. He's the God who is there. He is a personal God. And He is still speaking today. What's He saying to you? 
He's calling you to trust Him. Verse 13. When Elijah heard the gentle whisper, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Do you know why you're here? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. I'm here because I belong to you. I'm here because I love you. I'm here because of your name. I'm here because things aren't working the way I thought they would. I'm here because you have me here. Same story as before, Lord. I'm tired, it hurts, and I feel alone. What do we do now? Now, it's possible that he's whining. It's possible that Elijah didn't learn anything from all of this, and so he he just gives the same answer. It's possible that God is rebuking Elijah by asking him the same question a second time. Did you learn anything? But that's not how it feels to me when I read it today. It doesn't feel like an accusation. It feels like an invitation. Could you see what God does next? He sends him on a new mission. Verse 15. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. You know what that feels like to me? It feels like Yahweh says, the Lord says, you're right, Elijah. You have been very zealous for my name. They have broken the covenant. They have broken the altars. They've killed the prophets. I'm not done yet. I understand how you're feeling, Elijah. But this story is not even close to being over. He's still working. He's still working. The Lord is still at Work, and he's got more work for Elijah to do. Now we'll find out soon that Elijah doesn't have a lot more to do. He's actually coming to the end of his fantastic ministry. But God still has at least one big job for him, anointing. Anointing two kings and a new prophet. Hazael over Aram, and he's going to rain down judgment on Israel for their unfaithfulness. And Jehu to be the next king of Israel. And he's going to rain down judgment on Baalism. Wait till we see that. And anoint Elisha to come alongside Elijah so that he isn't so lonely and so that someone else can take up and keep the work going. What are you doing here, Elijah? Let me tell you. You're not here to die. You're here to know that I'm still God and to know that I'm still at work 
and to get back to work yourself. I assure you this story is not over. I assure you that Baal does not prevail. I assure you that Ahab does not prevail. And you can bet the house that Jezebel does not win. I'm still at work. No matter how bleak it feels, how it seems, I have not gotten even close to quitting. You ain't seen nothing yet. Number four, he's still faithful. God always keeps his promises. Always. Did you get verse 18? I love verse 18. Paul quotes verse 18 in Romans chapter 11. Paul says in Romans 11, Did God reject his people? By no means. Paul says, I'm an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel. Lord, they've killed your prophets and torn down your altars and I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. I don't, I don't, it's a round number. I think it's a symbolic number, right? It's a bunch. It's, it's seven, which is a perfect number, times a thousand. I got this. Israel's not gone for good. They're not out for the count. I always reserve a remnant for myself. Even if this nation goes down in flames and exile, God always keeps His promises and always preserves a remnant for Himself because He's still faithful. And that calls for us to trust in Him. To trust Him for salvation. God has promised to save all who will trust in Jesus. Jesus died and rose again to save sinners like you and me. And God promises to save us if we'll turn from our sins and put our faith in Jesus and Him alone. The Lord is faithful and He will do it. So trust Him if you haven't. Trust Him. And follow Him by faith. Seek His kingdom. That's what Elijah does. Elijah gets right up from there and he goes right back to work. I'm not saying it doesn't still hurt. I'm sure he still hurts. It's the worst day of his life. He'll never forget it. None of this erases the pain. But he's heard from God. God has whispered to him that he is still working and still has a job for him and that he is faithful. And so Elijah goes back to seeking his kingdom. And he goes and he finds Elisha, verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Smack, gotcha, you're mine. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I'll come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Sounds good, no problem. Go say goodbye and we're off. Verse 21. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. That's burning your bridges right there. Or or burning your beef at least, right? No turning back. No turning back. Bye, Mom. Bye, Dad. I love you. 
I'm off to seek the kingdom of Yahweh with his prophet Elijah. How do you burn your bridges like that? How do you get committed to kingdom work like that? How do you give up everything and throw a feast and then follow, follow, follow? You do it by faith. You believe that the Lord is still God, that He is still faithful, and that He's still keeping every one of His promises. School starts this week. And here's the message for all of our students, all of their parents, all of the teachers, and everyone else who's headed back to school. The Lord is still God. No matter how it feels. No, no matter how much it hurts. No matter whether this school year goes like you want it or if it just flops. The Lord is still good. He's still speaking. He's still working. And He's still faithful. The Lord is still God. Amen?